All right, so as I, I don't know about you, but when I grew up, we would go camping all the time. And when we would camp, what we learned as children is that as soon as we'd get to our destination, we all had our different responsibilities. So we would get to the site, and then the first time, first or second time, our, our parents would be giving us like the instructions, like, all right, Adam, you go over there and do this. You know, Nate, you go do that. Matt, do that. But in time, we all learned just what to do, right? We'd jump out of the car, and everyone would go where they had to go. So my older sister, she'd help my mom, and they would start to like prepare this like accessory tent that had the table in it, and then they would like start getting all the meals ready, you know, and, and just for whatever we're gonna eat that night. And then like my brother, Nate, who's a, a year younger than me, he and I uh, would work on the tent, and we'd be trying to like get the pegs in the ground and like, you know, the biggest struggle in the world, but we're like doing that. And then like, what do we tell Matt? You know, baby Matt? Hey Matt, just go sit over there and don't eat some dirt. Right? Like that was like mainly what he did. <laughs> don't tell him I said that. Yeah. <laughs> He'll be like, I did more than that. I did more than that. No, like, Matt, get the s'mores. Just don't eat all the marshmallows, you know, stuff like that. And, uh, and my dad would be like prepping other stuff. And so we would be doing all these different responsibilities. How about you guys? I mean, you, as, as you've like camped, has there been you guys all like have your thing? Do you kind of know what you got to do? Is that just me? No? Okay. Some movement. Some of you are like, I haven't camped in 10 years. All right. So like just all these different things. And you have to bring the right supplies. Everyone has to do their part. You know, no one, no one gets away with just sitting off to the side and I don't know, going off to the lake right away without setting up the camp first. And that idea and that description comes to mind a lot when we think about being the body of Christ, because this, this, language that is used in the New Testament is a challenge, both in our understanding of what we belong to, but also the purpose that we get to serve in this interconnected and collective unit known as the church. And so what does it mean for Jesus to be the head? What does it mean for us to be the body of Christ? That's what we're going to look at this morning. To get us started, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And so in chapter 12, it is the premier uh, passage, chapter 12, 1 Corinthians, to talk through this topic. And we see, I, I, would, I would break this into two different descriptions, two different categories. The first two verses, with uh, what we're going to look at in starting in verse 12, the first two verses give us this theological understanding of belonging, what it means to be in the body. And then the second and the rest of the stuff all talks about so what? Like, what do we do with that information? And what does it mean to be a healthy, functioning member of the body? So the first sense is this belonging. So in first, verse 12 and 13, I love this, this verse in so many ways. It says, for just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body whether you're Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. And so right out of the gate, when, it's, when, when you think about being part of the body of Christ, uh, and in a moment, again, we're gonna talk about how, what that means for us functionally and to be healthy, but before we get to that section, it's just the awareness of what does it mean to be in the body. What that conveys is, a sense of belonging and an actual identity. In fact, it is so strong. It's not just a membership card. You know, it's not just um, you signed up for something. Instead, you are brought into the body and it is so strong in its 
uh, meaning before God that the language is we've been baptized by the Spirit into the body. And so one of the ways this phrase of being baptized in the Spirit in the New Testament, it's used a few different ways. One of the ways is this being brought into the collective unit of the body of Christ. Being, being, um, and again, not just, hey, you're accepted in. And not just, hey, you raise your hand or you filled out a card. But you are baptized by, in the, in the description here, um, and, and not baptized into the body and then made to drink of one spirit. And again, this is something that's acceptable and, and given to everyone who believes. It says G- Jews and Greeks, slaves are free, just as an example, but there's many other, you know, uh, everyone's in, just depending on where you land. And so what a wonderful reminder for us, all who believe, and again, whenever we talk about this, believe in what? Believe in Jesus as our sacrifice, our atonement for sin, to be made right with God. This idea of being reconciled to our Heavenly Father, being reconciled to our Creator, Jesus did that for us when he died on the cross. Right? So when it comes to being a believer, it's not just, um, actually, I was just talking to my, my son last night about this. We were talking about um, belief, and um, it's not just something you, you say, it's not just lip service, but it's this deep movement within your heart. I was telling him, I said, you know, it's so, it's so deep and profound that the Bible says it's like being born again. So he's five. He's like, born again? What do you mean? It's like right out of Nicodemus talking to Jesus. Born again? I was like, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, like you're born. He's like, yeah. It's like, so it's so powerful. It's such a massive change. It's like you're born again. But this time, not born to like mommy and daddy, but born to God. Like you're, you're a new thing. And he's just like, he's just like listening, you know, he's like trying to figure that out. But that's the language used there. And so we are born again, born into this family, brought into this body of Christ. And so as you think about being in the body of Christ, maybe your initial thought is uh, us here. And that would be true in part. It is true that we are part of the body of Christ. We as a church family, we're the body of Christ. This is awesome. So this is local gathering. But then it, it's actually more complex than that. Almost um, there's many layers. So this is the body of Christ. And then when we, as a church family, meet up with other church families, like what we did last weekend with Awakening, that's the body of Christ also. Okay, so like we, we're a member of that body. And then when we get together, maybe with Christians across the state, well, that's, that's a body, or across the nation, we're, the, we're still the body of Christ, one member of like a larger body. And then even across the globe, which you experience if you go on mission trips, sometimes you can interact with people and you're like, man, it feel, feels like we are brothers or sisters, like we've grown up, but we're totally different language and culture and everything. And yet there's just this common bond there. Yeah, because you're part of the body. And then even beyond just the global Christians right now is historic. So last 2000 years, all Christians, Christ followers, part of the body of Christ. We are now in this one moment of history in which we're the body of Christ. The body of Christ was functioning you know, 100 years ago, there's certain characteristics of that body of Christ around the world or in different parts of the world and, uh, and, and back, back all the way to Jesus. And for, today, for us today, this is who we are. We're the body of Christ. Now, there's so much depth to this because we live in a society that longs for a sense of belonging. They're looking and scrapping for anything to get themselves to feel like they're a part of something bigger. We see this in the sense of... Um, Probably one of the one of the easier things, and I'm not putting this down at all. But like, if you if you um, if you're on a sports team or if you're a fan of a sports team, well, you, you, here you are, one of maybe millions of people who are coming together, and it's like today's football. So like, somebody's you're like gonna go home and put on the jersey. Like you're not even there. You're you know you're not even on the team. 
but you're like, I'm on the team. This is my team. And, and you have that sense of belonging or maybe, um, well, I'll just leave it at that. All sorts of different examples where we are craving for a certain sense of belonging. And some of that is fine when it's done in a healthy way. But what we're seeing uh, in certain ways, even today, there's a lot of unhealthy responses just to grasp onto anything to feel like you're a part of something. And so my reminder for you, and also an encouragement for you, and then maybe even a, um, giving you some, some talking points if you're going to have a conversation this week with somebody, a student or, or somebody at work, is to say, you know, we have an eternal sense of belonging in the kingdom of God. We, yeah, we can do hobbies, we can do these things, um, we, can, we can identify with like different, different groups in different ways, but how wonderful and beautiful it is that we have this, this, this uh, eternal belonging that is greater than something that's fleeting or something that comes and goes or is seasonal or whatnot, right? So we have this deep sense of belonging, and because of that, my challenge that I personally feel, but I want to extend this to you all the time, is what difference are we making as the body of Christ in this community, uh, in this nation, or the world, or even historically? Like, what will be said? What markers will be known or characteristics will be known about us as the body of Christ, this healthy, functioning member of the body? Or what legacy will we leave? But kind of in, a, in, the, in, the, in the same language of this topic today, think of it, and I don't even know how this plays out, right? This is a hypothetical situation. But it inspires me to try to be the kind of church family that is so potent and effective in the kingdom of God that there will be those who are across the nation or people who later in the history books will look back and say, yeah, I mean, there was a dumpster fire in this part of like the world and this part of the world, there's like other stuff going on. But like this pocket of Christians, the members of Christ's body at that moment in time, they were effective. They, they, they believed what they said they believed. They lived it out and they made a great impact. And like, that's like just, just a little drop in the, whole, in the whole bucket of stories of God's kingdom at work. And that is who we are. Like, I want to be that kind of story, not, yeah, you know, it was a total burnout district. Like, nobody cared. And they said they did one thing. It was very religious, which we might say about certain, um, uh, our, our own past in certain ways or, or different things. But that's not what we want to be said about us, right? So that is what we are about, uh, or that is what we are uh, connected to as the body of Christ. So if you're a born-again follower of Jesus Christ, you're part of the body of Christ, what a wonderful thing. That is most immediately represented right here. So all of us, all part of one body. Well, what does that mean? Like, what do we do with that information besides say, that's cool. Well, we all have a function. We have a purpose. And this is what leads into the rest of 1 Corinthians 12 and much of why Paul was writing what he was writing. Again, I, I imagine the, these leaders in Corinth sitting around like a campfire with them or around a table or something. And they're like, so... What are we? Like, what's it mean? What are we just supposed to do? And like, what's this look like? And he's like, all right, well, all right, Bubba and Buck over there, like, or whatever their Greek names were, right? Like, they're, like, one's like a hand, one's like a foot, and they all have their purpose. And you're like, yeah, that makes sense with my physical body. And then they start to, like, recognize everyone has their different role to be a healthy, functioning, physical body. So let's read the rest of chapter 12 in and then just from there, we'll have several different takeaways. 
So 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it's a fantastic passage in so many ways. In a couple ways, it parallels Romans chapter 12, but not enough to read from Romans today. So 1 Corinthians 12, it says, uh, starting verse 14, which if you want more information, if you're saying like, this is really great, go back and read the beginning of chapter 12, and then also just carry it into chapters 13 and 14, if you'd like, on your own, on your own time. So 1 Corinthians 12, starting verse 14, says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, Because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would, make it, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing uh, be, you know, if the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. It continues. It says this, the eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor the, again, the head to the feet. I have no need of you. On the contrary, and I love this passage, by the way, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker, they are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. I'll keep reading it, but I, Julie, I think of your group that we were just like thanking you for leaving. Not that we think less of kids, but there's a sense of, uh, I think that's applicable. It says, um, and our unpresentable parts, uh, they're treated with greater modesty, which are more presentable, oh, I can't read, uh, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members having the same care for one another and listen to this, if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one is honored, all rejoice together. And then it continues. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating in various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? The answer is no. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Do all work miracles? No. Do they all possess gifts of healing? No. Do they all speak with tongues? No. Do they all interpret? No. And then it says, but earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. That passage, in so many ways, pierces through a lot of the fog of wondering like uh, how, church are, how churches are supposed to function, um, what, what is our role within the body of Christ? It helps push away a lot of the lies that maybe somebody is not um, important or that what you have to offer to the, to the church family is, uh, is not as valuable as others in the kingdom of God. You know, we bestow a certain sort of honor and um, we think with hierarchy in many ways um, but when it comes to this passage, there's this, there's this um, level ground. Like we are all members of the body. And the language is so fantastic because it's so relatable for us, our physical body. Like if I, um, if I had a, 
I don't know, like a massive leg injury, I would be feeling that and I'd be like, I gotta repair that. But even if I have this like tiny little paper cut, I'm like feeling that all the time. And it's super annoying, right, whenever that happens. And so whether it's like a really tiny injury that you couldn't even see from here or something like in a body cast, both are, 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 are problematic and we just recognize how we want our body to function and work properly in all sorts of ways, whether it's something massive or something little. Very similar with our church family. What a wonderful reminder for us. A quick like confession that like has come to mind a couple years ago. But years ago when I was a groups pastor, I was sitting with our team, our staff, and I was, we were talking about something. And I just told them like, guys, could you just like, this is really embarrassing to say, especially because it's recorded and stuff, but whatever. Um, I told my whole team, and everyone has their different roles and ministry teams, and the whole room is full. And I was like, guys, what group leaders do is really important. Like, I know we have greeters, but like, that's really easy. And group leaders, I mean, they're like available like all the time, and it's really difficult. And I was like, can you guys like, you know, appreciate them a little more or something like that. And um, while practically that is a true statement that like group leaders uh, time-wise may do more than somebody who greets or whatever, that's, if I could go back and then publicly rebuke myself in that moment, like among everyone else, I'd say, you know, uh, yeah, practically, sure, there's more time, but we're all members of the body and we're all called to be responsible with what God has entrusted us. And so, um, if somebody has been given the task to do this thing that maybe on its appearance seems uh, less important, let's just remember that before God, it's actually all important and it's all valuable. And you're now like uh, demeaning something that God actually elevates. And so let's be careful there. And like, that's what I would tell myself then. And um, so with that said, let's just think through a little bit. What does it mean to have people in their sweet spot? What's it look like? And then, and then to what end do we do this? Well, Ephesians 4 has a really good passage for us just to kind of help round this out. Because I think in some ways we're just like, okay, sure, so we're the body of Christ. We need to work and function really well. But what does, where are we going with that? Well, Ephesians 4 describes it so well. It says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by the supporting or by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And so friends, we, this is part of becoming mature and growing in our faith and becoming strong. Like that's what you want for your physical body. So you also want that for your, uh, the, the body of Christ. And in this case, we're kind of narrowing down the application, not, not church historic and global, but just right here in the room. The, even, this, even this service, I guess you could say, but I'd like to think both services as one church family. Us, we want to be mature. I don't want you just to be uh, immature. Like you, you may begin that way, but you don't want to stay that way. You wouldn't want that with anything else in life, but we can grow content with that in our spiritual life. So we want you to be, we want to, we want to be a healthy body in order to be whole and joined together and mature in all those different ways. One of the ways this is, this, is, uh, this sort of description is manifested is just by asking like, Okay, so what's it, what's it mean to be part of the body? What's my role in the body? I would say, like, well, what's your sweet spot? 
Like what something before the Lord, there is always joy. There is always excitement. It almost comes easy. And if others were to do that, even if it's a really simple task, there's just a struggle. Like what, what is it that is really unique that the Lord wants you to do and to contribute to that body of Christ? And that can look several different ways, but one way has just happened recently in which it's, it sounds, it might sound so, so petty, but that's why it's a fantastic example. Uh, we as a church, we use anointing oil when we pray. And uh, recently we like lost it. So I had to buy no, another one. So I bought it and I got it and I was like, this is going to be great. This is going to smell real good. And uh, I'm so excited for this. So this thing came in and I smell it and it's like awful. Like just, it's like my, my 95 year old grandma would really like it, but uh, it's just, uh, it's just, I was like, Lynn, maybe it's just me. Lynn, what are you thinking? Oh, no. So we sent that, that, sent that back. So I text Gina, and I'm like, Gina, I, I know you're into oils and, and spices and all this kind of stuff. Can you make us something? And then I want, you to, I want you to hear. Can I read the text? Is that all right? So this morning, she actually texted me, and this was unplanned, but I was like, oh, this is fantastic. Um, th- this is somebody in their sweet spot to, to use their gifting with deeper forethought than me just searching online, like, hey, we need anointing oil. What do we get? So listen, she said the, the anointing oil that the Lord directed me is the, I, I'm like tearful just reading this. This is crazy. Um, it says it's the, uh, the fall legacy oil. It's composed, uh, it has several things. It's composed of Siberian fur for the perspective to releasing grief and regret from past choices. Recognizing God's forgiveness and forgiving oneself in order to receive peace in your heart. Pedigrain for healing past family wounds and growing through understanding. Tangerine for being filled with joy and creative flow of spontaneity to see all things in the big picture together. And I just found that to be so meaningful as I read that. I was like, yeah, that's somebody who's running in their gifting versus just me ordering something randomly. And whether it's something, a simple element like that, that we incorporate within worship, or whether it is something on a larger scale, like a whole ministry initiative that is on your heart, like when we've done different retreats or events, or um, I don't know, entire, like the homeschool co-op. I mean, that's an entire arm of ministry in so many ways. Those kinds of things the Lord puts on our hearts, and we get to serve in these different ways. Now, again, we, we, we see interdependence and things working together in so many other ways, but somehow we're okay with it not working in the church. And so let me just read a couple of these examples of interdependence. One of those is like in the camping theme is s'mores. Three ingredients, right? We got marshmallows, uh, and you got the graham, right? Sandlot thing, I got the, get the marshmallows, got the graham. And you got the, uh, the, the chocolate. And some of you add the little accessories and stuff, and I do too. I usually put a Reese's in there somewhere. But you got the three basic ingredients. Now, if you rolled in with just two of those, it ain't a s'more, and it's not gonna taste nostalgic or anything like that. And so you need all three. But then same with other things. So like, if you think about a clock, which I was gonna ask you guys to bring the grandfather clock, but I didn't. I was like, that's gonna be a big effort just to, for an example, right? But the Browns have a grand, grandfather clock. Do you still have it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So if you want a grandfather clock, talk to, talk to Michael. Yeah, <laughs> all right. And so... Uh, if you think about a clock, you want all the things working. And if one of them doesn't work, all, one of the inner working pieces, at times, the entire thing doesn't even function properly. I mean, like the smallest little thing, right? same with like a, a watch, just one little spring is off and the whole thing doesn't even work or it works just with a, uh, a deficiency and you can hear it and you're like, something's off there. If you think about an engine bay, right? I was messing with the battery in my car and like pop the hood and looking at all the parts. I need them all to work really well. 
Because if they don't, I'm going to hear it, and it's going to cause a problem down, uh, even just driving. If you think about maybe those of you who are into computers and stuff, like you have a motherboard with all the different little pieces on it and stuff, everything's on there. You need it all to work. And if one of them doesn't work, you notice the difference. Sometimes the entire thing won't work if a, particularly if a certain piece isn't there. You have this with a military unit, like everyone has their part. And if you don't play the, like if you don't do the right thing, you have a massive setback. I thought about that just the other day with Veterans Day. You have a, a team who does surgery. Everyone has their different role and you need them to do the role and you need it quickly because there's an urgency with the task right at hand. You know, with a football team, you know, like everyone has their different thing and you don't want, everyone looks at the quarterback, but like if, you're, if your guard or your tackle ain't doing his job, well then the whole team's gonna miss on the play, you know, stuff like that. And so we see this in all these different ways, these inner workings, you see this in your own family and stuff like that. Well, with our church family, we have that as well. And so let me, let me just talk through uh, a couple di- uh, sides of this. First of all, what is it that like sabotages the sense of belonging? You know, what is it that, like this is, all, this is all good, this is inspiring in its own way, but like what is it that begins to suck the life out of this kind of thing? Well, scripture's real clear of a few things. One is gossip and backbiting and the selfish attitude in the church. Listen to these verses. One's Ephesians and one's out of Philippians. Ephesians 4, it says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander, all those things, be put away from you along with malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. And so we see this interaction just regarding even communication within the body of Christ. There's a sabotage of the purity and the joy and the love when we fall into this trap. Philippians has another passage. Philippians 2 talks about maybe in a, in a broader way. It says, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, and I mean vain conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each one look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. All right, so like not only is it a uh, negative speech, because speech is such a powerful behavior that we have toward one another, but also just a general attitude. If your attitude is selfishness, like, hey, what's in it for me and how am I served? Well, then, yeah. If if this whole room acted that way, this would not be a fun place to be. And so you want to have this selfless attitude. How do we come together and... No, what, what is your need? And if you can meet it, you do. And if you can't, you know, you find somebody who's better at that kind of thing. We actually had a recent need, and uh, we're like, oh, this is a really crazy care need. How do we respond to this? And then one of the guys we know who was doing some extra work on the side, we called him up. He went and repaired this pipe and fixed it for the family. It's fantastic, rather than this whole ordeal that was the suspicion that might need to happen. So we see... We see what we are called to do. We see that, we, that this, this calling and this, uh, the joy of being the body of Christ, it can be sabotaged with behavior. And some of us need to take that to the Lord and repent of that today. If that's been like a habit of ours or, or weaknesses that we're, just, we're not taking to the cross, we're not, um, we're not disciplining ourselves in those areas, but we're just letting ourselves run rampant. We're like, oh, just say what I wanted to say. Like, well, that's, it's not fun for the rest of us. And so wherever that might be, but... Also, let's just look at like why is it that the body of Christ 
uh, tends to walk with a limp? Or why is it that for you, you may find yourselves saying, you know, I'm a member of the body of Christ, but I just, I don't, I'm not doing anything with that. Like literally, if it was a physical body, it'd be somebody like walking with a cane and be like, hey, that person, uh, their legs aren't working the way that they should. And if it's a person, you're like, I want to fix this. But within the church, we can just, again, grow content and okay with that. So what are different reasons? What holds us back from embracing either the sense of belonging or the purpose that God has given you, you as an individual to the body of Christ? What are the different reasons? Well, there's all sorts. And I want to just walk through some of these. Some of these are things that I am personally working through or recently have worked through. Some of these things are, I think are more applicable to others in the room. I have 10 or 11 and... They're not lengthy, but they're very specific. And so if there's one, two, or three that really stand out to you, my hope is that God will use this to catch your attention and that you'll t do business with the Lord today regarding these items. So the first one is maybe you're saying like, listen, I'm, the, I'm a member of the body of Christ, but I am unsure of what to do with that. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know how to be, I don't, I don't know what my role is here. And you might be saying that if you're new to the church, you might be saying that just even if you're new to your faith, uh, you're not really sure what God is leading you, you know, how he regularly uses you within a church family. Uh, maybe you're saying that just because you're in a new season of life. And what used to work doesn't necessarily work now. You're like, I, I just don't know what it is I'm supposed to do. You're unsure. Well, that's several of us here. And if that's you, my encouragement is to be like one of the guys here in the room named Caleb. And he's crushing it. He's like, I don't really know what God wants me to do. But you know what he's doing? He's serving all sorts of areas. He's just like everywhere. He's working with Pioneer Kids. I see him all working with Restore, working with all sorts of other areas just to be faithful. And that's my first step. If you're unsure, just start doing something because it's, it's not throwing spaghetti on the wall and hoping it sticks. It's being faithful and just like in the most immediate next step. And that's my encouragement for you. If you're unsure, just do something within the body of Christ when it comes to the edification of the saints. It might be praying with somebody. It might be greeting somebody. Uh, it might be helping in a, in, a, in a significant role, but just, just something. It might be sweeping the floor if there's a, a mess or something, like just serving, right? Uh, secondly, you might be, you might have fallen trapped to fear uh, of, of just what's next. Specifically, let's say like fear of the unknown or fear of what other people might think. Whenever you step into a new thing, particularly for the first time, you're like, I just don't really know what I'm doing or uh, what are people going to think? What if I'm not doing it the way it used to be done? Or what if I'm, you know, like, like you start playing mind games and the enemy is happy to mess with you with that stuff. And so what do you, what do you, what do you, what do you do if you're like struggling with fear? I'll, I'll tell you exactly what you do. That's... In 1 Chronicles 28, David tells Solomon, be strong and courageous and do it. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed for the Lord God, even my God, is with you. He will not leave you or forsake you until all the work for the service of the house of the Lord is finished. Friends, if you're unsure, just do it. Just push through. And you got folks like me and others who wanna come alongside and keep you going in that, keep you encouraged in that. Uh, maybe you're saying like a, thir a third area, like reasons that might hold us back from embracing this sense of, belonging and purpose. One would be a lack of faith for the resources needed to do it. Resources like your time 
or your energy, maybe even financial resources, saying, I believe the Lord wants me to do this, but I just don't know. I just, I don't know if I can. And I'd say in many ways, it's, it's a lack of faith in trusting that God will provide what you need to be able to do it. Time or energy, particularly. Those things are really precious to us, particularly those of us in, in this room more so than um, like the kids are, uh, yeah, kids aren't really thinking about those intangible things. And if that's you, I'd say you need to repent today of that and just take that to the Lord, saying, Lord, I, I have trusted what I can see. I've trusted the, the track record, the history, but I do believe you're asking me to, not, not even asking, you are calling me to this, and yet I'm saying I, I just can't. And I would say that's a lack of faith. Another area, maybe you are in a spot where you've been going for a while and you're just tired or, you, or you're even despairing. You know, you're, you're physically tired or you're despairing. And there's a few different reasons for that, especially when it comes to burnout and disappointment, all sorts of things. Um, but what I like to address with that is just even my own experience in the last couple of years with that. Uh, when when um, When COVID hit and I didn't see like most of you, not only for three months because we were meeting online, but also um, even after that. It felt like, uh, it, like everyone's like talking about the, the physical disease of COVID taking everything out. And I'm over here like this spiritual disease of COVID just ate away this entire work of ministry for five years. It was awful. Because after all this time of reading scripture, preaching through scripture, Maddie leading us through worship, us preparing ourselves for the, for the, for the task of enduring in faith, it was like one after another just raised their hands and said, I'm out with, with this. And I don't even mean gathering in a room. I mean just pursuing the Lord in the midst of chaos and confusion on your own. Just when you wake up, just pray. You're like, I can't pray, I'm gonna look at the news. And, and just over and over and watching what I would call like a spiritual blight just ate away at all this work. And, and, and this sense of despair was totally caught me off guard with that. And I remember um, not really being sure what to do and so I pulled up an old sermon that I heard when I was at Liberty from Jerry Falwell when he was alive. And he preached this sermon over and over again. So it was easy to find. It's one like never giving up. I just listened to that over and over. Like what's, what's the point if everybody just taps out the moment that this thing gets, it gets tough? Like how are we supposed to even endure persecution, persecution if like we don't want to, growing our faith in the midst of this stuff. And so like, I, I mean, I experienced that hard. In fact, when it was hitting a really tough spot, at one point, one of the elders' wives says like, we, we have to pray for you. So she got the other elders together. Again, they like anointed me with oil. We just, they, they prayed and it was like um, fresh wind and fire that day over in the pavilion in the, in the cow pasture because there was just a lack of clarity what to do. And so if you're saying like, man, I'm in a a state of like 
I'm being I'm tired or despair. Well, I've been there too. And um, I would just simply say, don't give up because we need you, all right? Maybe you'd say that you have uncertainty in what the next step is. That's where I'm at right now. Like, I literally don't know what to, how, how to execute something that um, I, I think we need to be doing in, um, in one of my roles here at the church. I'm just like, I'm just not sure what this looks like. I, I literally, I, like, I know actually kind of where we're going, but I don't know today's step. And if that's you, like, I'm there too. And I would just say, to the best degree you can, just begin to, like, uh, walk in it. Some of it's a lack of faith. Some of it's a lack of clarity, but just begin to walk in it. For several of us, uh, a big reason that we'd say, like, we're just not uh, um, a vessel in the kingdom of God right now is because you are overwhelmed with, with a sense of shame of past regrets and mistakes. You're like, I just, I just can't. And it's like, you know, actually, that's not what God says about you. That's exactly what the enemy says about you. That's what you tell yourself, but that's not true at all. Because what's Ephesians 2.10 says? It says that you are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus before the foundations in order... Oh, I can't remember the verse now. But anyway, just, you are. And like, just keep pressing on with that. And so, if that is where you're at, take that shame, take that distress, take that sin, and just take it to the cross and allow the Lord to do business. That's what he, that's what he does. Some of us are deceived, literally deceived with untruth of God's word on this matter. We have believed lies about how the church is to properly function. And so you're deceived, specifically in the realm thinking, it is not my job to be a member of the body of Christ or to use my gifting, and that is Adam's job, or that is Maddie's job, or Julene's job. That's why we're paying you, because I don't want to do that. It's like, okay, well, that's great. That's not at all what the Bible says. That's, that's in fact, the, the opposite of truth, so that would be a lie. That'd be from Satan. So have fun being a voice piece in a vessel for Satan, because that's not what the Bible says, right? That's... that's Another area. Uh, one is just laziness, allowing that calling, that passion to grow cold. Man, I've been there too at times. We don't want to succumb to that. Along those lines, it makes me really thankful for our Pioneer Kids leaders. We need more of them, by the way. But I, I, I'm so thankful because we've been having spiritual conversations with our kids lately. And I'm so glad to be able to, um, and they're really little, but I'm so glad to have other people in the trenches in that whole like conversation with them. Because the other areas of their lives, they're not really getting a lot of that at school or other stuff. But, but here, like to know there's other like-minded parents and some non-parent volunteers, you know, but mostly parents who are just also in the trenches wanting to um, reinforce the truths of the gospel not just Bible stories, although they have, a, they have their place. Roman's favorite Bible story is Daniel almost being eaten by lions and, uh, and how he didn't, but the other guys did. And it was like, we were talking about that last night. Oh, I forgot about that. We were talking about that last night. And it was like, what did Daniel tell those guys? He's like, well, either I'm going to get eaten by lions and go to heaven, or I'm going to come out and you're going to get eaten by lions. <laughs> like, yeah, that's what he should, that's what he should have said. But anyway, I'm just thankful for Pioneer Kids later, leaders, and um, we don't want to succumb to laziness. Uh, th three more. One is just disappointment of previous attempts. I've been there too, where God, he, he is calling you to something, you've tried it, and it, it just fell flat. Sometimes things aren't the right season. Sometimes things aren't the right timing. But it doesn't mean that's the wrong thing at all. Try again, right? Another one would be an idolatry of priorities, where 
what better tactic of the enemy to, than, than to convince the people of the kingdom that eternal kingdom work isn't a value. We, we, give, we give ourselves to all sorts of things. And yet when it comes to things of eternal matters, we're like, yeah, I'll, I'll get to that. I'll get to that another time. And then lastly, the overall surrender. You know, who is the Lord of your time? The Lord of your goals, the Lord of your ambitions, the Lord of your family, the Lord of your kids or your kids' success, including spiritual development. When it comes to surrender of our lives, I think at the end of the day, we can find ourselves saying, if we are not a healthy member of the body of Christ, you know, like the Lord has equipped you to be the hand and you're just allowing the hand to be not functioning, well, then that would be something, a matter of, of surrender at the end of the day, although any of those other reasons might be the precise situation going on there. So, so what, which one is true for you? If there's an area that you'd say, and I think any of those are true, I know for me it is for several of them. And so today I think it's not just a call to join a team, which, which it is. In fact, on that table, if you're like, hey, look, there's a giant table that says serve on it. Yeah, there's a bunch of things listed there on your chairs. There's a bunch of teams and checklists, all sorts of ways for you to be involved. Some are listed, some aren't listed, and you like the Lord stirring something in you. Not everything is applicable within like the, this immediate sense. And that is a massive like challenge for us. But, but before you even take that step of writing out something, today is a day of breakthrough for so many of you who have allowed yourselves to be convinced of whatever experience you're having in the body of Christ, for that to be normal or expected or okay, or uh, like you've allowed unfaithfulness to be, you're content with that, as opposed to being a powerhouse in the kingdom of God for eternal work, for the edification of the saints and the glory of God. No way. So, um, Maddie, how about you and the team coming up here? These guys are itching to lead us in worship. Ricky's out there like, is he done yet? <laughs> yeah. And uh, as we lead in worship, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call us to experience today. For those of you who well, just experience today, uh, the breakthrough needed to get through whatever wall or obstacle there is in saying, Yes, that I, the body of Christ is, a, is, a, is, is what I belong to. I mean, it's part of your identity. And then there is deep purpose and joy and clarity and running strong in that area. For some of us, we need, for many of us, we need to, um, we need breakthrough to go from that like sentence to where we need to be even in the next few minutes. And so I'm gonna ask, I'm gonna ask that our leaders would stand and um, be available to pray. Um, and I'm gonna include our group leaders. So many of them are, are uh, just in the trenches with you. And so if you're an elder or a group leader or one of our pastors on staff, would you guys stand and just kind of even go, just um, if you can kind of go to the wherever you are. So like Elisha, you can go over near the window there. Elisha Morgan, um, Stephen. Yeah, you can come over with Tina if you want and stuff. But um, wherever you, just kind of spread around. That way we're uh, as needed. Great, yeah, Blair, definitely. And uh, let us be available. We wanna be available to pray with you. Maybe you are in our group or maybe you're not and you don't have to be in the group to pray with one another. We wanna serve and come alongside and say, let us pray for this matter and pray for breakthrough, All right? So um, how about everyone stand? I'm gonna pray for us and then we're gonna respond with some worship.